Some fun news. Crooked Media has partnered with comfortable, sustainable shoe brand Karyuma to create two awesome pairs of shoes that listeners of Hot Take will love. One design features an all-over iVoted sticker print, and one is a sleek white pair that says no steps back on the side. You can order your pairs today in the Crooked store, and as always, a portion of the proceeds from these shoes and any item you buy in the Crooked store goes to Vote Writers, the leading organization focused on voter ID. Check out both designs and claim your pair at crooked.com slash kicks. Support for Hot Take comes from the Southern Environmental Law Center and its podcast, Broken Ground, with the latest season focusing on the story of how a Black community on the outskirts of Memphis came together to beat the odds and defeat a crude oil pipeline. Here, people hailing from all corners of the city and beyond join together to fight the environmental injustices and threats posed by the controversial Bahalia Pipeline. Listen to their story, now available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Hot Cakes. Welcome to Hot Take. I'm Mariana Yuskegler. And I'm Amy Westerveld. How's the weather down there in Costa Rica today, Amy? Any torrential downpours today? It has actually been raining all day here, but like a gentle rain. So no no thunder oh. or like massive amounts of <laughs> rain on the roof. So that's good. Yeah. I gotta say, when I listened to last week's recording, I was like, oh my god, is Amy okay? Did she have to evacuate during that? I know, sometimes it gets it gets really crazy, but I know that you're uh, battening down the hatches for, for hurricane season to, to continue yeah. picking up, right? What's happening in New Orleans? It's been very rainy because um, there's a system out in the Gulf. It's like at way, way, way south Texas into Mexico. So we're getting, you know, some rain from that. And it is this rain is angry, my friend. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that sideways angry ass rain. Yeah. And so I learned today that in my living room, the rain can get in the window. Oh, no. Um, so. <laughs> Oh, no. It wasn't. It's it's not bad. I was just sitting next to the window and I was like, where is that coming from? So, yeah. But yeah, we we are bracing ourselves for the high hurricane season. Um, Next week is the anniversary of Katrina and Ida. And the season has been eerily quiet up until now, but that can change any minute now. Um, I've heard that there's like some dust from the Middle East in the in the air that's been keeping the storms from forming. But seems like that dust has moved out the way. So it's kind of, you know, anybody's guess what happens from here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 scary when you have those big disasters just sort of waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. Actually, our guest today is from New Orleans and was there when Katrina hit, too. He was. That's right. We're going to be talking to Eflondo Cooper, who is a senior reporter at Media Matters and someone whose work we've been following for a while now. So really excited to have him on. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He does a really great job kind of keeping tabs on what the right-wing media is saying about climate and some of the narratives that pop up around different aspects of climate policy and things that the fossil fuel industry is getting up to. Uh, We're not going to be talking to him about the hurricanes necessarily. We're more talking about how climate has kind of become a a favorite talking point in the quote-unquote culture war. Mm hmm. Yep. But I'm sure the hurricanes will come up because like, how can it not? Right. That's right. That's right. It's it's <laughs> in the air. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and with that, I think it's time. It's time to talk about climate. OK, Evlando Cooper, welcome to Hot Take. Thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be on. Could you, before we start, just explain a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm a senior writer researcher for the Climate and Energy Program at Media Matters. And Media Matters is a progressive nonprofit organization um, that comprehensively monitors, analyzes, and corrects conservative misinformation in the U.S. media. Our program works to improve media coverage about the climate crisis, energy policy, and environmental justice. We also monitor right-wing media for misinformation narratives, as well as push kind of corporate mainstream media to do a better job in their climate and environmental justice coverage. Wow. 
I have a quick follow-up question to that. So it seems like you do a lot of watching what's going on on the right wing and in Fox News. How is your soul after that? (laughs) How many hours a week do you have to spend listening to like Tucker Carlson and Joe Rogan? (laughs) I don't want to have any stolen Valor here. I mean, really, a lot of the researchers at Media Matters, they do an amazing job. Their diet is Fox all day. Oh, dear. Oh, wow. um, including some of the, the darkest domains of the internet. You know, we usually, we keep an eye on Fox. We have people flag stuff for us. So I don't want to mm-hmm. pretend like I'm having to ingest this all day. But when, you know, narratives do pop up, we are monitoring very closely. And it can be dispiriting to see how they, you know, discuss or dismiss climate change. Mm. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess what I'm asking is, are, are y'all okay? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We have a you know, very, I just worry. I worry. No, honestly, uh, we have a, our organization is very, very like, our organization is very concerned about our well being. They have a mm-hmm. bunch of programs and, and outreach. The supervisors and managers are very considerate when people need time off, especially when you yeah. know kind of heinous events happen in our society. So yeah, you know, as far I can't speak for any individual, but I do think that our organization does a good job of giving people the space to step away when they need to yeah. from some of these like horrific news cycles. Good. That's, yeah. that's really good to hear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, we wanted to talk to you because there's been just a really noticeable increase in the last couple of years of, and especially I think this year of right-wing media really kind of dragging climate into the the so-called culture war. So yeah, I just am, am curious to hear like when did you first start to see that and and like what did it look like when it kind of first started to appear? Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors which is bad news because according to the EPA, indoor air could be two to five times more polluted than outdoor air. In some cases, it could be a hundred times more polluted. Data shows that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths around the world. I have a strange little problem in my neck of the woods, and that is that everybody likes to burn their garden trash and other trash too. Lots of trash burning going on in my neighborhood. Not great. Air Doctor has really, really helped. I just fire it up on days when I can tell everybody's lighting their trash fires, and it keeps the household air clean. Air Doctor is the air purifier that has captured the attention of established media outlets like CNN, Money, ABC, and more. Air Doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code DRILLED to get up to 39% off or up to $300 off, depending on the model. Lock this special offer in by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code This holiday season, get a gift for yourself too, and keep it simple. I gave myself the gift of a better, more convenient laundry experience. I know, I know, laundry doesn't sound like a gift, but honestly, Earth Breeze just makes it so much easier. Think about how you actually do laundry. You have to work out how much detergent to pour, lift that big plastic jug, hope the goo doesn't get everywhere. It's annoying. But EarthBreeze Eco Sheets look like nothing I've ever seen in the detergent aisle. It's almost, it's like a dryer sheet kind of, but it's the detergent and you throw it in and then that's it. There's no measuring, no nothing. It works in hot and cold. It's also dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic, and free of bleach and dyes. And it fights everyday stains and odors. You get a powerful clean, but you don't have to deal with all that packaging. Right now, my listeners can get started with Earth Breeze and save 40%, 40, 40%. 
go to earthbreeze.com slash drilled. That's E-A-R-T-H-B-R-E-E-Z-E dot com slash drilled for 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash drilled. Yeah, I think like most things, I joined um, Media Matters in October 2017, I want to say. Mm. And so like most things, it was a Trump phenomenon. Mm. We do an annual broadcast study and we could very clearly see that, you know, coverage would spike when Trump would say something ridiculous about climate change or dismissive. And so he drove a lot of those climate media um, cycles mm. in which a lot of that stuff was harmful because they were just repeating and amplifying without debunking or uh, refuting some of the non, a lot of most of the nonsense that he was saying. And so right. since then we've, you know, since, since then we've kind of see it, we see it, we've seen it become entangled, like you said, in these larger culture war issues, most recently the in- inflation reduction act, there was right. a clear sense of, you know, they were trying to find an angle to come at it. So it was the, you know, the IRS agents and it was the Green New Deal and EVs. And so like, there's this sense of marrying um, these issues under the thing of climate change is fake. You know, inflation is fake. None of it's real. Everything that's being done is designed to keep you downtrodden and depressed um, mm-hmm. and, and, and dispirited and, and broke. And it's becoming more explicit. You know, you know, we've seen the, Anecdotally, we've seen the trend become much more explicit as of late, where even in Sri Lanka um, and other um, foreign countries, we've seen right wing media people try to tag what's happening there as the Green New Deal. You know, they're, yes, they're doing the Green right. New Deal in Sri Lanka, and it's the same Green yes. New Deal as the one they want in America. And it's just, you know, all you can do is document and shake your head. Yeah, actually, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that one. I, I read that article of yours, and it was just like, is there anything they won't blame on the Green New Deal? So, like, how did they thread that needle? Not good. You know, that's the thing. <laughs> I think there are legitimate good faith concerns about ESG. ESG? environment sustainability or no environmental social and governance it's it this is like the green finance stuff yes yes the green finance very sexy okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm sorry yeah i I blanked on that one but yeah it's green financing and so there are legitimate concerns about you know the corporations that are pushing it there there were legitimate concerns about how some of the uh, sustainability practices in sri lanka were implemented for example but they don't care about anything they flatten everything and mm. they make it the most horrible thing. But they're real, the mm-hmm. real issue isn't so much what's happening in Sri Lanka. I don't think Tucker Carlson or most of them give a damn about what's happening in Sri Lanka. Right, it's right. to tie that to American climate policy and say, you don't want that in America. If, if mm-hmm. these elitists do that in America, we're going to see the same kind of uh, hollowed out of our agricultural sector and the same kind of uh, rioting and, and general societal uh, collapse. So... Right. Yeah. They, they, mm-hmm. they don't really care about what's happening in these places. They don't really care about, you know, doing sustainability in a way that um, adheres to principles of climate and environmental justice. They just want to say that's bad. and You don't want that here for the yeah. for their audience. Yeah. It totally reminds me of like when the when the Green New Deal was first announced, just how wild like the right-wing media went about it you know and it's like and and it (gasps) yeah like I feel like it's just continued to show up like the the like they're gonna take your cheeseburgers and Mm -hmm. you're gonna live in permanent lockdown you know like you saw it come again in COVID right it was like oh if you don't like COVID lockdowns you're gonna hate the Green New Deal yeah okay Mm -hmm. yeah yeah my my colleague Ted McDonald just updated uh, a study in the 160 days after Russia invaded Ukraine, Fox mm-hmm. Networks mentioned the Green New Deal 564 times. Wow! And to me, this gets at a another media trend that we've been documenting, and that's really dispiriting. The fact that we can, you know, right wing media, Fox is going to do what it's going to do. The problem is we we watched um, them fill a vacuum left by other cable news and broadcast news coverage. 
Fox was basically allowed to define what the Green New Deal was. And now they can deploy mm-hmm. it as a shorthand for any climate policy that they don't like. So, like for instance, right. like you mentioned earlier, calling the IRA the Green New Deal is beyond absurd. But because they define the issue and because the other networks aren't actually telling you which, you know, about the IRA's specific climate pol- uh, policies, how they're going to affect people's everyday lives, what the Green New, Green New Deal would be in comparison to that, different iterations of the Green New Deal. Fox basically is allowed to kind of fill that void of coverage and shape the narrative on a lot of climate policies. Yeah. Um, in our newsletter, we often track, um, you know, how climate coverage has gone up and down month to month. And one of the things that like we have to you have to keep an eye on in that sort of analysis is all the coverage is not good. And so sometimes the coverage right. will jump on television. And I, I'm blanking on the name of the observatory that we uh, follow, Amy, do you? Yes, MCCO, the Media and Climate Change Observatory. Yeah, at yes, University of Colorado yes. Boulder. Yeah, that Max Boykoff and his and his team do an awesome job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do great work, and there will often be this section in there being like, "Look, some of this coverage jump is because Fox News is is going ape shit over this, or the right wing <laughs> media is going ape shit over this." Exactly. And it's like, but it's kind of embarrassing to think that Fox News is having more attention paid to climate change than CNN or or MSNBC because those networks are like, "Oh, it's too difficult to cover." Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean. CNN and MSNBC are doing a better job of reporting on climate change impacts and harms, particularly, you know, with regards to extreme weather. But they do mm-hmm. a terrible job of contextualizing climate change and other issues, such as politics and economics. Right. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. Fox rarely connects an extreme weather event to climate change or climate science, but it would definitely tell its viewers how a given policy will absolutely ruin their lives. So mm-hmm. right. that's the dichotomy that we see, you know. Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. then there's just that huge vacuum that it's it's easy for Fox to to fill with that stuff. I don't know if you've seen this, Evlando, too, that um, even before Russia officially invaded Ukraine, there was all of this coverage of how, quote unquote, climate policy was driving up gas prices. And you saw like the yeah. American Petroleum Institute president on all of the cable news shows mm-hmm. saying this and like almost none of the at least from what I saw, almost none of the reporters that he was talking to pushed back on that and said and, and like even asked him to explain what policies in particular and how exactly that was increasing gas prices. So I feel like there's like a I don't know. It's twofold. It's like there's a, a lack of time spent on it, but then also sort of a lack of, I don't know, I guess like knowledge or, or like education about, you know, how disinformation works and like how to try to, to push back on, on some of the messengers of it. Yeah. It's, it's appeal to credentialism mm. and it's, you know, and both sides of rhythm, both sides of rhythm. So, yeah. you know, he's the president of API of course, he's going to have some insight into how this works, not seeing that he's basically a paid propagandist right. for the fossil fuel industry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's weird because it's like, you know, they would they would never have like the head of Greenpeace on, for example, without a million caveats about how, you know, <laughs> they have an agenda and it's this and it's that and whatever. But like the president of API is just presented as sort of like an impartial expert on the oil and on how oil and gas works, you know, not as, yeah, the industry's top paid spokesperson. Yeah. That was an example, you know, I I think it kind of, I think they went to the well one too many times, but at that point, the administration came out and specifically made a case about record oil profits. And so Mm -hmm. we did see a little bit of an uptick in kind to try and holding the fossil fuel industry somewhat accountable, at least mentioning the fact that you know, every few segments we'd see a mention of record oil profits. Um, right. Of course, that dies out once the you know once the news cycle dies out. But that's an instance of where the administration messaging sometimes can be beneficial in moving the news cycle in a different direction. Mm-hmm. It just happens far too rarely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, who do you kind of see covering climate the most in in right wing media? Is it like is it Tucker Carlson or is it, I don't know. Yeah. Who, who is it? Um, I would say uh, definitely Fox. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. You know, OAN. Oh wait, you watch OAN and the others too? Luckily, I don't. I don't have to watch every now and then. Our, our wonderful team. Um, the Media Matters right. researchers, too. Oh, my God. We got to send you guys <laughs> a fruit poor basket people. or something. These poor folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get so y'all some have, grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> we got people on OAN. We got people on Sinclair. We got people on oh, Fox. Wow. Um, wow. What was the one that just got kicked off? Um, we had people on that one, too. A lot of the people oh were doing gosh. a work behind Info the scenes. I mean, we're behind InfoWars. I mean, uh, you got people monitoring InfoWars. Mm-hmm. The, the Bannon's War Room. Um, Thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> I'm appreciative every day because, you know, I watch some of that stuff sometimes just to dip my toe in and see what's going on. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's like unreality yeah. over there. Yeah. But the, the most consistent kind of climate denial or fossil fuel cheerleaders are definitely Fox News. If you want to see, mm-hmm. you know, unmitigated praise of the industry, Fox Business. Oh wow. I'm starting to see much more on social media. I don't I, I don't want to name specific accounts, but I am seeing I mean yesterday, I don't know if y'all saw this, there is no climate emergency was trending based on this article written in some right wing publication that allegedly had a thousand scientists sign saying that there's no climate emergency. And that was really amplified on social media. So I think it's coming at from coming from all sides now, but I guess the most mainstream right purveyor of this stuff is still Fox. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, how, are you seeing podcasts start to do this more? Like does media matters monitor audio audio as well? Cause I know like I definitely have seen a fair bit from Joe Rogan and that's someone that you've covered before in the past too. And I wonder if you're seeing any kind of, trend towards like an increase in that or um if it's just sort of yeah it gets covered from time to time but ben shapiro and joe rogan only dip their toe in now and then yeah i did a few pieces uh rebutting uh some stuff that rogan had on some people he had on we have people monitoring like for instance sean hannity has a radio show he says something inane about climate every day he tries to fancy himself as being above kind of cultural war stuff but he definitely dips his toe into kind of making that connection between climate and other issues. And and what they do is they reframe it as the domain of elites, you know? So mm-hmm. there's always this hypocrisy around climate action. Whereas if they just, I don't know, dug a little bit beneath the surface, they'd see everyday working class people um, that are working mm-hmm. on these, on these issues at the grassroots level, doing basic right. things like trying to improve, I don't know, their land, air and water quality, you know, but the caricatures are much more useful as a cudgel. So they very rarely, you know, dig beneath the surface. But we do have people monitoring a lot of the different podcasts, especially the biggest ones. And, you know, they flag notable climate stuff when we see it. But like you said, they only kind of get dip in and out of there. It's not a, a consistent, at least not yet. And God mm-hmm. willing, it won't ever become. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, it'll be just another front, you know, on this on this fight that we're monitoring. Yeah. Can we go back to the IRA for a quick second? Because I, I remember in the lead up to the IRA and before it got signed, it was kind of like this idea that if you criticize it, especially, and, and this message was often directed to environmental justice advocates, was that if they criticized it, then that would give the right wing ammunition to attack it and therefore undermine the bill. But what it seems like is that the right wing found the ammunition anyway. Because they always find the ammunition anyway. Right. So what are the criticisms, again, that you're hearing about the IRA? Justice advocates were justifiably, in my opinion, upset about a lot of the tenets mm-hmm. of the bill. They were upset about how the bill was championed. And I, I see it from both sides. You have long-term activists who want to celebrate a victory. But then you have people who feel like mm-hmm. the victory always comes at their at their expense, literally. You know, So... I did see that. And I think, you know, and I saw some good faith, really kind of vigorous disagreement right, and right. conversations about it. And I think that's good. You know, I, I don't think that the right wing is ever, ever, ever. Well, they're very rarely mm-hmm. <laughs> concerned about the kind of good faith disagreements that activists have. In fact, we don't even use those disagreements as a cudgel, right? Because you, even acknowledging those disagreements, right. that kind of small schism, they'd have to acknowledge the reality of climate change, mm-hmm. the reality of needing massive substantive bills and policies to address it. 
they rather pretend that it's the Green New Deal and it's going to take your hamburger away or that, you know, people are saying EVs are literally the solution to, to mm-hmm. climate change. You know, they it's much easier to, to, for them to paint with broad strokes and caricatures and actually dig down into the the real substance of the disagreements that a lot of people have with the IRA in particular. And I was surprised, you know, because to me, that's a, you know, it's an easy lane, but they just rather go the, you know, <laughs> they rather go the other route where, you know, this is a socialist takeover right. of the United States government and Biden's a, a radical socialist. Right, right. Because he's giving people tax credits for free EVs. Right. Yeah, I saw that in um in in one of your pieces of Londo that like there was this consistent messaging that basically like average taxpayers were being asked to foot the bill for the like seventy five thousand dollar electric vehicles of you know, elitists who care about climate change. And I was like, wow, this is just wildly untrue, but they're going with it, huh? <laughs> like, it's it's so wildly untrue and it was a much easier lane for them to take but they like you said they went with the the, just the easily disprovable lie you know the language is right there in the bill so they don't they don't care about them being affordable they don't care about the the concerns about mining and indigenous communities for these rare minerals that are needed they don't care about any of that evs are for the rich and the rich want to have a EV to um, get social credit and they don't care like about the poor or the middle class. Like that's the narrative that they want to push because it's an easy and convenient and lazy, frankly, narrative. And so even writing these pieces a lot of time where, you know, I, I, I tell my team, like we deserve better competition sometimes because I would like to really grapple with some of these issues in a way. But right now we're just kind of knocking down Lies, but I think the problem is there's such a volume of misinformation, deliberate, disingenuous information coming out of the right and Fox News that even if we're batting down lies, and a lot of people do this, you know, online and in print, you know, a lot of shows, podcasts like yours try to, you know, give people correct information and and kind of grapple with the complexities and nuances of different things. But the volume is like a fire hose. And so we're just really trying to, you know, bat down as much as we can without, you know, at least shift the narrative or encourage other networks, other corporate news sites to provide some context when there is none. Yeah. It also seems like not only is there so much misinformation, but that misinformation is so much more seductive. You know, I would love to believe that climate change isn't real. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I would love to believe that we don't need to do anything about this. I would love to believe that like these people are just, you know, saying this because they want to take away my burgers. Like that's such a better story. I feel so much you know, more ease. But the truth is so much harder than that. And I, I think that's why so many people flock to, you know, the right wing is because I, I'd love to believe that. And I, my problems are not my problems. It's all somebody else's fault. Yes, please. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to change anything. Nothing has to change, actually. Fantastic. Yep. I love even it. It's a small <laughs> sliver. You know, poll at the poll yeah. show that even like bare majorities of Republicans want the government to take climate action because people cannot anecdotally deny what they see in their own lives and their own backyards and their own communities. And also if, mm-hmm. if the right, if the right wanted to make a good faith argument that we're just questioning the science of, of, of climate, then what about environmental pollution, which they never talk about? They never talk about uh, pipeline mm-hmm. leaks and water pollution mm-hmm. and lead and, 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 and millions of people's homes, Air pollution. Uh, land pollution. They never talk about yeah. actual you know, the real uh, systemic harms that are being caused literally materially by the products that we put in our uh, land, air and water. The fossil fuel industry and chemical and and other industries are literally poisoning communities around the country. And then you never hear that Mm -hmm. part of it, that other side of it. Well, we don't know about climate, but we know that these products kill people and make them sick and they die. They shorten their lifespan. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's all disingenuous bullshit because a true populist, a true champion of the working class would talk about, you know, what's going on mm-hmm. in some of these communities that are really being harmed um, by these products. Right. I mean, I think that's why they don't give them solutions. They give them scapegoats oh, yeah, um, because it's just so much easier to hate people than it is to hate systems. 
Right. And it's kind of what's what's really scary to me is it seems like they're priming them to want climate action, but not climate action that is climate justice or not climate action that encompasses other people. So it's like I think they will eventually get to the point where they really want the government to act on climate, but only for white folks, only for them and to keep everybody else out of it because they're so distrustful of everybody else. Right. The only like quote unquote solution that you ever hear Fox News pundits propose is basically yes. ecofascism. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, that's a solution, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah. Like you said before, Mary, it's not all not all proposed climate solutions are, are the ones that we want. <laughs> Hot Take is brought to you by Genesee. (laughs) Science tells us that the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. Temperature Temperature-controlled sleep repairs muscle after a hard day's work and improves cognitive function so you can always start your day feeling sharp and alert. I like to feel sharp and alert. Also, I love to be cold when I'm sleeping. So this is 100% my jam. Um, I know you're okay. like a fan of sweating, Mary. Yeah, it's it's a normal human function. I don't know when people got freaked out by sweat. <laughs> I don't mind sweating, but I don't like sweating at night. It makes it hard for me to sleep. I like, I, I love, like I, I love for like my room to be cold, my bed to be cold. So I love the chili sleep system. They make the Uller and Cube sleep systems, which are hydro-powered, temperature-controlled mattress toppers that fit over your existing mattress to provide your ideal sleep temperature. And they're hmm. great. Yeah, I I gave one to my mom, and she absolutely loves it oh. because she's pretty much a polar bear. Um, These luxury mattress pads keep your bed at the perfect temperature for deep sleep, whether you sleep hot or cold. These sleep systems are designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. For an extra layer of comfort, they also make the chili blanket, the only weighted blanket that can also be paired with a control unit for the ultimate sweat-free sleep. So head over to chillysleep.com slash HT to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new Cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is available exclusively for Hot Take listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili, C-H-I-L-I, sleep.com slash HT to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up refreshed every day. Hot Take is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Um, this is a product that I use almost every day. Um, it, it's a nutritional supplement. It's this green powder that I usually just throw into water and drink. I actually think it kind of tastes good. I'm a giant baby, so I have to make a smoothie with it. <laughs> what's, what's in your smoothie, Amy? Um, pineapple and passion fruit. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I go tropical. Okay. Baby. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, those are those are good choices. I just knew you were going to be a banana girl. No, no. I um, don't like bananas. I'm not a big banana fan, I have to say. I don't know why. Wow. It sounds sexual, that's, but it's not. <laughs> that's bananas. Um <laughs> But I I love AG1 not only because of, you know, all the nutritional stuff, but it's very good for your gut and it has vegan collagen in it. And I'm always looking for that stuff because I'm getting old. Um, With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're observing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to start your day. Um. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it supports better sleep quality and recovery. And, you know, sleep is important. At less than $3 a day, investing in your health is cheaper than your cold brew habit. 
Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash hot take. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash hot take to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Evlondo, I'm curious to hear you um, talk about what you've seen on that. Yeah. Front. We've we've definitely talked before on this show about Tucker Carlson's obsession with the great replacement theory and eco-fascism in general. But I'm curious to hear what you've seen. Yeah, we've, on that. we've monitored an, an increase in that. Like, yeah, he talks about great replacement and we see kind of people nibbling around the explicit idea of eco-fascism. But what they're proposing mm-hmm. is definitely laying the groundwork for this idea of, you know, some variation of climate change is real. We have people from the global South trying to invade our country because they literally can't farm or eat, you know, they can't, they don't have any food to eat right. anymore. And then the, the ramifications for internal migration. You know, I, I grew up in New Orleans. I was born mm-hmm. there. I moved back there. Um, and I was there when Katrina happened and the discourse around mm. people displaced because of a, a climate-driven disaster internally displaced and what people were saying about, you know, uh, colonists, refugees and, you know, stuff like that. You know, think about that on a mass scale. Think about large parts of the Southwest can't live where they are anymore because of drought conditions, having to move, Mm -hmm. mix in. I think they're laying the groundwork for a very dangerous ideology where it would be easier to use the solutions we have in place to tackle the issue now instead of whipping people up into mm-hmm. a frenzy when and if the inevitable happens that yeah it, it worries us a lot and we try to keep our eye on it and we try to rebut it when we can and i think you're just going to see start as climate as the climate disaster worsens you're going to start seeing much more explicit calls for uh eco-fascism in the future yep yeah did you notice any of that you know when tucker was covering things like the buffalo shooter or what was the other one the el paso shooting and those sorts of events no his uh, i didn't notice that's not to say that there wasn't any you know kind of tangential things that were said we we noticed his eco-fascism comes in a form of being a conservationist mm-hmm. maintain mm. like he he professes to love nature and wants to maintain nature it's but it's also a form of nimbyism that can easily trip into ecofascism so oh that's so interesting cuz there's that there's like a group that's like they call themselves i think it's like progressives for immigration reform have you have you heard about these guys that like that's their whole thing is this like kind of old school very nazi tinged like we love nature and we want to protect it and like immigration is a threat to it Mm -hmm. (laughs) sorry i sorry i I interrupted you but yeah go on go on it's just grossly interesting yeah and i think (laughs) you're gonna see these things coalesce i mean tucker has explicitly you know talked about great replacement yeah and 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 his conservation quote unquote and so i think you know like I said, I, didn't see, I haven't seen anything explicit. Doesn't mean that was something that I missed or we missed. But I'm thinking you're going to just see much more explicit marrying of these ideologies as mm-hmm. as the climate worsens and as people are driven out from their, their their homes to seek refuge in places like America. It's yeah. inevitable. Yeah. 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 And and thank you for bringing up Katrina because. I think when I first got involved in climate, it was it was because of Katrina. And like, I remember hearing people say, well, climate change is a thing that unites us all. It's a threat to all of us. It's the great equalizer and yada, yada. And it was like, am I the only one in this room who remembers Katrina? Because that shit look real unequal. <laughs> um, yeah. And like, I don't I don't see that necessarily getting better. And, you know, also just want to acknowledge that the anniversary is coming up next week. And it's a pretty somber time here in your hometown. It is. Um, it is. 17 years, yeah. I think. I mean, it's it's hard to. This year is 17 and one year after Ida. Wow. And see, that's, a, that's the yeah. thing, you know, getting like eco-fascism manifests in different ways. You know, even 
how did how, how areas that were destroyed by disaster get rebuilt you know mm-hmm. you know because a lot of, at the time people thought there's going to be at least i did this kind of uh, climate policy utopia where we're going to be able to hop on a a trolley or 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 some kind of a mass transit system to get from Metairie to New Orleans without having to get on I-10 and be stuck in traffic for hours, you know. Sounds beautiful. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. <laughs> utopia, utopia. Really? Yeah. Was, but in fact, it was like it disaster was capitalism just, yes, almost was, immediately. Was, and yeah. when you start thinking about how, you know, what that looks like internally, that's the other my other fear of, of eco-fascism that, you know, Who's going to get resources? Who's going to be allowed to rebuild? Who's going to be excluded? Who's going to become sacrificed? You know, right. it just manifests its ways and manifests in, in myriad ways that are very concerning. You see it in like the climate gentrification stuff yeah. in Miami too, where like all of a sudden all of the, you know, the the higher ground areas that for years were, you know, were basically red zoned uh, for poor people and and immigrant communities are now becoming desirable and lower income people who are mostly black and brown are being pushed like literally into the sea. I mean, it's gross. It's really gross. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, when we talk about like, I've, I've talked to a few people recently about how to plan to move people. Um, Managed retreat uh, is the, is the term I find it like terrifyingly, bureaucratic that term <laughs> you know it sounds so yeah, so innocuous but it's like we're talking about moving entire communities and like who we ha- we have no map for like who's going to be making those decisions mm-hmm. and like I have no I don't have a lot of optimism for them being you know very very filled with with <laughs> thinking about equality or talking to the actual communities themselves yeah yeah. Quick plug for the new HBO documentary, Katrina Babies, that comes out this week about a lot oh, of that. Fascinating. Yeah. Especially about the kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. Anyway, yeah, I do. I feel like the, the internal migration stuff doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And it's it's very, very interesting and kind of scary the way it, it's it's being approached so far. Have you seen any um, good examples of media, you know, sort of effectively counteracting these right wing narratives? Like what, you know, what are you seeing there? And, um, and then like, what do you think would help? I think, and we, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard landscape for us to cover, but we do, we we do try to dip in when we can. I think we've seen a lot of, we've seen a lot of bad local coverage, you know, through Sinclair, but I think, We've mm. seen a lot of good local coverage. And a lot of it comes through meteorologists, you know, who, and it's a small step, but, you know, you know, most people will never see climate science connected to something that's happening in their community, especially not on national TV mm. or cable news TV. Having, you know, local trusted reporters, you know, report about um, extreme weather impacts, what, what, the, what the science says that'll, that'll look like in 10 15, 20 years, different environmental justice issues when they arise, that gives me some hope because, you know, part of the reason why I think it's important to keep an eye on the media and to keep nudging the media is that I don't think it's too late to kind of, to galvanize the public towards meaningful climate action, to demanding meaningful climate action. I think the more informed people are, the more they're informed about not just the consequences, but the potential solutions knowing that there are solutions that exist that could have a meaningful impact, positive impact on their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think you see a lot of that in local coverage. I think some of the national meteorologists have been doing a good job of just making the the connection between climate change and uh, extreme weather. And now we're pushing for them to Mm -hmm. just do one more little acknowledgement and to say, you know, science says that the continuous burning of fossil fuels (laughs) Is what is driving these right. you know, harmful climate impacts and just letting, you know, and so we can start having some accountability for the fossil fuel industry because this stuff is not happening in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. I think that's my biggest mm-hmm. hope is that right. we can move from climate science to climate accountability and saying, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. this is why this is happening. This is the industry and the people that are driving this crisis. Here's why we need to transition away from that yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I think, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing some of that at the local level. You see some of it at the at the national level on some cable news outlets. You have people that that try to do a, a decent job every now and then. But I don't think it's consistent enough to really break through. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting, though, too, because I think that the local level is where I think it's easier to reach people across a broad political spectrum, like as far, especially at at the national level, especially in the cable news realm, I just feel like the people who are watching cable news are self-selecting into ideologically tinged news channel. Like, you know, no one who is an avid Fox news watcher is just going to, you know, switch over to CNN and see what they're saying about climate. You know, it's just not realistic. Um, but they might watch their local news at night. And like, that's where I think you might be able to kind of, to reach some folks who are otherwise only consuming a steady diet of, you know, Fox News or maybe OAN. Yeah. You know, we don't have any more, uh, uh, like, a national news broadcast that everybody watches, right? Everybody just sort of chooses their own media diet that, that yeah, I think, affirms what they already believe. Yeah, I think C-SPAN <laughs> might be the closest to it, or oh, NPR. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. even oh, there. No, NPR's terrible. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, <laughs> I don't own a radio. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp online therapy whether you're struggling with grief relationships or stress or all of the above because we're living in 2022 or maybe you're having trouble sleeping or meeting goals online therapy might be for you I have been living in areas for the past like 15 years where finding an in-person therapist is quite difficult. So things like like BetterHelp is like a total lifeline. You can find any type of specialty on there. Um, They let you change therapists really easily, which is nice and frankly, a lot less awkward than someone that you've met in person and decided you don't like. Mm. Yeah, there are a lot of benefits, a lot of benefits to virtual therapy. Mm -hmm. Also, it can kind of happen like whenever you have time. You can schedule video calls and chats, but you can also like write to your therapist about shit that's going on in the middle of the night if you want. And then they get back to you the next day. I I feel like it was really Mm -hmm. it was it's very well suited to kind of the way a lot of us are are living these days. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like a lot of us are living with insomnia. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes. BetterHelp is secure online therapy. They offer all kinds of options, video, phone, live chat, emails. They can assess your needs and match you with an accredited therapist in under 48 hours. Log into wow. your account. Yeah. You can log into your account anytime to send messages and get responses, schedule weekly sessions, and not only do they make it easy and kind of stress-free to change therapists. It's also free-free. Like, you don't have to pay to, you know, sign up with a different therapist if you want. Oh, that's helpful. (laughs) Which is nice. Yeah. You can visit betterhelp.com slash hot take to join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are currently recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Hot Take listeners get 10% off their first month of online therapy at betterhelp.com slash hot take. That is betterhelp.com slash hot take. Support for Hot Take comes from the Southern Environmental Law Center and its podcast, Broken Ground. In the latest season, listeners journey to Boxtown, Tennessee, a black neighborhood on the edge of Memphis, tucked into a bend of the Mississippi River. This community has a rich history and its residents cherish their deep ties to the land. Here, people young and old, hailing from all corners of the city and beyond, came together to fight the environmental injustices and threats to their quality of life posed by a controversial crude oil pipeline. 
In the course of telling this story, Broken Ground uncovers the stories of the community who pushed back against the project through grassroots organizing, legal advocacy, and unwavering determination. Find out how a crude oil pipeline went from imminent to canceled from the people on the front lines. Listen to their story in the latest season, now available wherever you get your podcasts, or stream it directly at brokengroundpodcast.org. But I, I want to go back real quick to you mentioned Sinclair, um, and I'm not sure all of our listeners will know what that is or what it's done to local media. So could you take a quick second to break that down? So Sinclair is they're a, a conservative media conglomerate mm-hmm. that has, you know, kind of made their way into a lot of different um, local news casts. They've bought up stations all around the country. And what, what we found is that, you know, not only are they like very extremely conservative, but there were times where they would push out a single message to all of the local, that all the local broadcasters had to repeat. You know, a couple of our videos a few years ago, you know, that was showing like all these different newscasters literally reading the same script about some kind Mm -hmm. of contentious issue. Mm -hmm. So that's who Sinclair is. Um, They were huge Trump backers. They're very tied to the fossil fuel industry. They are very supportive of the industry. They routinely deny climate, but it's interesting that that's kind of the corporate philosophy and you see it manifest in, in different ways at the local level. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And we have people here who've done a lot of work trying to highlight the work that Sinclair does, highlight its corporate ties, highlight its kind of um, almost dictatorial control over what their local um, news stations can report on and how they report on it. So that's who Sinclair is. Mm-hmm. And so you can check, you know, if, if people want to know, you know, who's providing them their news, if it's not ABC, NBC, Fox, um, CBS, you know, it could be Sinclair. And, you know, I would encourage them mm-hmm. to find a more reputable channel um, to get their news from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I learned about them through the John Oliver show last week tonight, um, which has been doing really stellar coverage on climate, too. So shout out to them. Yes. Yes, totally. I feel like it's important to note, too, that, you know, Sinclair buying up local news stations happened right alongside a whole bunch of local newspapers going out of business. Mm -hmm. And we just had another round of that happening thanks to Gannett. Um, So, you know, like the, the loss of local news coverage is a really big problem here too because I think a lot of people do tend to trust their local news sources maybe more than than national I I feel like you get less of the like oh the media are just all liars at the local level than you do at at the national level so um, there's nothing like a investigative report on some industry that's polluting or some you know like mm -hmm. the investigative capacity of the media the investigative journalism piece to me is I think the biggest blow to accountability and it's basically mm-hmm. eroded at the local level at this point. I don't, I can't, I can think of very few local papers that are doing kind of giant investigative uh, journalism pieces anymore. Yeah. I mean, that's why like, I think, you know, organizations like Floodlight and ProPublica that are trying to, um, to funnel money into local investigative work are, are really important, yeah. but it, you know, yeah, there's just, I mean, even at the national level, there's such a hollowing out of resources for investigative work. And, and like, as someone who does investigative journalism, I can say it takes a lot of time <laughs> And that requires yes. resources and like no one has those resources right now. There's maybe, you know, I, I feel like the the other thing that we're seeing too, as a result of that is like that you basically get one big investigative piece, you know, every quarter maybe from like one of the four white guys at big national media outlets, you know what I mean? Who are like allowed to do those pieces anymore. It's a little bit dispiriting mm-hmm. just how how little of it there is and how little funding there is for it. And certainly not like big teams, you know, doing stuff. I think, you know, Chicago, Minneapolis, there's a few cities still that have um, pretty like robust local papers, but man, they're few. And that looks like yours. I mean, Gris put out a a huge investigative piece a few days ago. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. 
it's just, you know, there was a heyday yeah. of that, you know, I feel like maybe I'm just, I, I just think for the accountability piece, I think that's just, that's what's missing from that because, you know, without accountability, nothing will really change. The same people keep running the same scams and getting away with it and polluting, you know. Yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit too, actually? Because I feel like I know I get this um, very annoying to me accusation a lot of like, um, of just trying to always point blame at oil companies and like, you know. <laughs> but they're always doing shit. And- <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, uh, like the thing is they've never actually been held accountable yet. So I don't feel like there's like too much of that, you know? Um, And I, yeah, I wonder like if you, what you see in that, in that vein of Londo, if like, if, I don't know, if you see a kind of a, um, an aversion to accountability as somehow like, you know, seeking to place blame or, you know, punish certain companies more than than others or something I think, uh, this is just me my, my per- personal thought i think the yeah. i think it speaks to the the new media landscape at least you know cable and broadcast that it's mm-hmm. it's it is kind of an elite domain you know and i think it's it's gauche to kind of to go after, you know, just to bash and quote unquote bash an industry or to, to call them out. Right. Um, there's also probably, you know, material financial concerns about, cause a lot of these companies advertise on these channels and you know, a lot of the thoughts we, you know, right. you know, you see Chevron pushing greenwashing on all the cable networks, honestly. And so, you know, mm-hmm. and constantly in political, oh, um. sponsored by it, literally. <laughs> yes. Um, Mm-hmm. And so, know. you know, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. say that that's a causation, but it's definitely a correlation, I think, between the willingness for at least these corporate networks to hold these industries accountable. And we're pushing for that accountability because, I mean, frankly, honestly, you know, if there was this much evidence about any other industry, I think that industry would have been nationalized and mm-hmm. driven out of business by now. You know, but meanwhile, they're still mm-hmm. op- allowed to operate yeah. with basically impunity. Even in a quote unquote historic climate yeah. bill, there are huge carve outs to keep that industry, you know, funded for years. Yes, profitable for years. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. even beyond, like I said, again, even beyond just driving CO2 into the atmosphere that's causing all these aberrant and dangerous extreme weather impacts, they literally uh, pollute the land, air, and water of some of the most vulnerable communities in the country without any oversight or accountability. So we're pushing hard for the media Mm -hmm. to start holding the fossil fuel industry accountable. And I love what y'all do on social media and podcast and newsletter. (laughs) (laughs) Cyberbullying? You're punching up, definitely. So I don't think you can... (laughs) I don't think... I would want to see that kind of... I would want to see this tenfold, hundredfold, you know, and and Mm -hmm. everywhere it should always be these are the industries causing the harm. So I love, I love that. It's weird. I, I feel like um, there's like a, there's a thing that happens. And I think we've talked about this on here before too, where if you, um, if you do push for accountability, it's sort of this um, immediate, like, Oh, you're an activist or you're an advocacy journalist and therefore less credible. Um, Like I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I've I've heard this from journalists who are worried about being painted with that brush, and I know like I've had um, people say that too, or about me as like a an, a way to try to discredit some of the reporting that I've done. And it's very like it's very effective. It's effective, and it's stupid. I think you know. I mean, if it, like like we talked about API, the API president earlier. I mean, is he an advocate? Right, definitely right. biased. Is he, I, yeah, I think he's a propagandist, <laughs> you know? I mean, so... He is, I, yes. Like, calling, call, like, speaking the truth about something, about an issue, about a company, about an industry, to me, isn't isn't activism. It's it's actually journalism. I don't know, like... Mm. Mm-hmm. I think you're a journalist, and you're reporting what, yeah. what you see in the world. So, and that's a weird, that's a weird charge right. to me, and... I think it's weird too, because like, if you, 
I don't know, like if, if you have that information and you don't sort of point to the logical conclusion that that information leads to, then that's also a, a bias. You know, it's like, well, sugarcoating it or making it seem like, oh, sure, these companies have a role, but so do lots of other companies. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, um, that that's a bias. It's frustrating, but it's so baked in to the the media, the media landscape and, and really like sort of a lot of the quote unquote rules of media, which is annoying too, because it's, you know, um, I'm going to get on my soapbox here for just 10 seconds <laughs> and say that it was the fossil fuel industry, like actually created a lot of those rules. Yeah. You know, it was, it was oil companies that really like pushed for the sort of quote unquote, you know, objectivity that we see today and that, that created false equivalence. And, and it's irritating to see journalists still not sort of getting breaking free of that and, and doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Also being aware of the fact that Exxon's own scientists in the seventies and eighties were yeah. just as accurate mm-hmm. as the IPCC scientists and researchers have been. I mean, right. it's incredible that, that the, the gap between right. what they knew and what they said, and they should never ever uh, be credulous about anything this industry uh, says ever. Yep. Yeah. I think it's really important to consider that they knew all of that stuff when the BP oil spill happened, when they went to the Iraq war, when they, the first Iraq war, even like they knew all of this Mm -hmm. stuff. So this whole idea of like, oh, we got to give the industry time and they didn't know. And all it's, it's all bullshit. They knew, they knew better than anybody Mm -hmm. else. Subsidies. Yeah. My favorite, like my, my favorite example of this beyond, of course, like the memos and all of the the stuff that the scientists were doing is that these companies were taking out patents in the 70s and 80s for all of the infrastructure that they would need to continue drilling for and transporting oil in a warming world. So, you know, offshore platforms engineered for sea level rise, oil tankers like designed to navigate a melting Arctic. 70s and 80s patents it takes a long fucking time to develop technology and then patent it and they were getting those patents in the 70s and 80s so the idea that they need more time like they had all the time in the world to prepare their own industry for what's happening now but they didn't afford the rest of us that time and i don't understand why yeah you would continue to have you know the api president who you know helped coordinate a lot of that stuff too by the way <laughs> You know, on as a, a credible source on anything. Uh, yeah. Anyway. You know, do they think that they will escape the consequences of, you know, their actions? Like in, in terms of the long-term climate impacts, not, mm-hmm. they're never going to be brought before a court. Yeah. But will they actually escape? I mean, I think they do actually, though. I think they think that, I think like a lot of these executives and also i think a lot of the the sort of like billionaire libertarian folks like the peter mm-hmm. teals of the world i think see a future uh, where they're basically aristocrats and like you know they're able to afford to, um, <laughs> yeah long termism exactly it's that whole thing of like well you know we'll like me and mine will be fine i think they do believe that yeah, it's gross. Yeah. Really if there's gross. a politician in their pocket, you definitely don't have enough money to get a bunker. So what you know, what what are you what are you doing? Exactly. Or a <laughs> rocket ship. Yeah. <laughs> These are all terrible ideas and they won't work. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I think they're dumb enough to believe them. So hey, you, you guys are right on oh, target. Well, I, I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. So, Evlando, we, we hope to have you back um, to talk to us again in the future. But I can't resist the urge to ask a Louisiana native, um, why is Louisiana the state that's nearest to every other state in the United States? Oh, what do you mean? Uh-oh. I think I'm like... Think about it. It's a thinker. Oh, dear. <laughs> why is Louisiana nearest to every other Tell me, I don't know. I, I'm stumped. Because it's the Bayou State. Oh no! 
<laughs> it was right there. It was right there. Uh, classic Mary Hagler pun. <laughs> it was right there. <laughs> I meant to tell you, you can ask Amy for help, but <laughs> so good. Tag my life So right good. There. Nice. Yep. <laughs> you can practice for next oh, time. Man. You can practice for I'll, next time. I'll be ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Avlada. This was great. Um, we're super excited and we will um, definitely have you back well, on. Thank yep. you. This was fun. I really enjoyed um, talking with y'all. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. Hey, hotcakes. It's Mary. We are pretty clear on this show that you don't need to understand all the science to care about or even to understand climate change. But at the same time, we understand that you might have a few questions about the climate science. You might have a few curiosities. Um, So we are planning a special mailbag episode where we will go through your scientific questions and more. Um, And you can send those questions to hottakeatcrooked.com. That's hottakeatcrooked.com. Um, we're planning to have this episode in sometime in September, and we will be inviting on a fantastic climate scientist to help us talk through these things. Um, so again, send your questions to hottake at crookedmedia.com. Hot Take is a Crooked Media production. It's produced by Ray Pang and mixed and edited by Jules Bradley. Our music is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Thamali Kodakara is our consulting producer. And our executive producers are Mary Anais Hegler, Michael Martinez, and me, Amy Westervelt. Special thanks to Sandy Gerard, Ari Schwartz, Kyle Seglin, and Charlotte Landis for production support and to Amelia Montooth for digital support. You can follow the show on Twitter at Real Hot Take, sign up for our newsletter at hottakepod.com, and subscribe to Crooked Media's video channel at youtube.com slash crookedmedia.